Today's show is brought to you by Pleasureland RV. Best in the Midwest. Learn more at PleasurelandRV.com. Welcome, everybody, to WCCO Outdoors on this Sunday, May 14th, 2023. The Roaring Twenties. We're three years into the Roaring Twenties. And, hey, happy Mother's Day out there. Happy Mother's Day to my dear mother down in southeastern Minnesota, as well as my lovely bride of 20-some-odd years, uh, who's given me four great kids. She's been a great mom. So happy Mother's Day to those two, my sister, all the other mothers in my life, and all the mothers out there listening or in your life, a big day, and I did my part. Believe me, I, I, I did some honeydew projects around the house, uh, did some cooking. I think I think I did okay on this Mother's Day. There's more. There's more to do after this show uh, wraps up. Uh, we are here for one big hour. This is some live radio. Uh, happy to take some calls. Uh, give us a call at six five one four six one ninety two twenty six if you like. If you didn't hear the uh, Minnesota Twins one today, sixteen to three. 11-1 yesterday. Man, the team must have doubled their team batting average over the past couple of days. That's uh, that's scoring a whole lot of runs. There's a lot going on. I've got three guests this week. Brian Mosey, my uh, staff writer at Outdoor News, is going to join me in just a minute. He was at the Governor's Fishing Opener. We'll ch- touch base with him. A little later, I want to talk, talk to Jared Mazurik. He is the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association's executive director. They issued a uh, press release this week, not real happy about some things going on at the state legislature, mad enough to say that they are basically boycotting the governor's deer opener this fall. We'll talk to Jared about that. And then something that snuck up on me in the state legislature uh, that is, I think, a pretty big deal. There's talk of allowing two-line fishing on the Minnesota River, which uh, WCCO has learned is an inland water and that's not something we normally do in this state. We only usually allow one line on inland waters. That could very well change, probably will change. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, last segment, uh, I, the, the Red Lake Band announced they want to take 30 elk in northwestern Minnesota this year. I've got some opinions on that. I'm wondering if there's any morel mushroom reports out there. It's certainly prime time for that, especially after this rain this weekend. i got to think the morels are going to be popping. Hey, like I say, i got a short segment I want to kick off and touch base with a young man, Brian Mosey who's going to join the broadcast now. We're going to talk to Brian about uh, what went on down at the governor's fishing opener down in Mankato. Brian was down there. Did you have a good time down there, young man? Yeah, a little bit rainy, a little bit cold, but uh, nothing can stop true Minnesotans from the governor fishing opener, you know? Well, that is the spirit. Yeah, you got down there Friday morning. The governor was not there. Uh, he had a good excuse. I think most people, uh, if we can be nonpartisan for a moment, I think most people thought going to his <laughs> Daughter's graduation out in Montana was a uh, pretty solid excuse. Uh, who covered the the bases for him? I certainly saw the DNR commissioner uh, uh, posting a lot on social media. Yeah, um, Lieutenant Governor was out there, um, and as well as DNR Commissioner Sarah Stroman was out there. Um, a few different uh, Explore Minnesota was also. Did we lose Brian? Are you still there, Brian? <laughs> Well, it sounds like young Brian uh, cut out. That's all right. Um, I think can we. Can you hear me? Are you, are you there, Brian? You want to try to hang with us? Can you hear me now? I can. So you were okay. saying that. My the, apologies. That's all right. You said Governor, uh, the uh, Commissioner Stroma was there, a lot of other dignitaries. How was the fishing, yeah. Brian? Did you, you got was, out on the water yesterday morning? A little rainy, but did you uh, have some action? Yeah, we, we, we got out there a little bit later just due to the lightning strikes around the area um, on Madison Lake. But. Um, yeah, I got out there about 10 o'clock or so and 
we fished for about an hour before we were we had to come back in um, due to more lightning, um, but was able to fish for an hour and catch a couple crappies and um, a few different northern pike bites, but um, no walleyes in our boat, but I'm, I'm sure there was a couple that were caught um, throughout the day. I saw reports from other parts of the state that looked pretty solid. I think it was probably a decent weekend. We didn't have a hardcore cold front. We had some rain. We had a front come through. Uh, but a little wind, a little walleye chop, but overcast skies, not bad for a daytime walleye bite. So I'm uh, cautiously optimistic we're going to see some good reports come through. I know Ron Husvet, frequent contributor, uh, he, uh, he he caught a nice walleye, posted a picture of a really nice walleye. Did you hear any of the reports around the state, uh, Brian? I haven't yet. I was planning on working on that tomorrow when I when I get back in the office and talking to some of the local shops around the around the state to kind of figure it out. But from what I read from the different Facebook groups and things like that that I follow, it seems like everybody kind of had a enjoyable weekend and was able to to get quite a few bites out um, out on the lake. Well, like I said, we didn't have a hardcore cold front roll in you know Thursday night at midnight like we we normally do. You know, twenty four, thirty six hours before most people head out fishing. Uh, Brian, you covered the legislature pretty close uh, for outdoor news, and I wanted to touch base with you quickly about some of the uh, some of the things that are still cooking over there. We're down to our last week, right? There was uh, the the legislature. I think has to be done by a week from tomorrow. There's a lot still in flux affecting the environment. A uh, couple quick things I wanted to get your take on. The wolf ban, is that uh, a ban on wolf hunting? Does that language still exist? I know it did earlier in the session. It does exist. It is in the conference committee, but they haven't um, ta- they haven't officially agreed upon it yet, the language at least. Um, I know tomorrow is, oh, I think, a pretty big day for the environment committee where I think they're going to be potentially um, adopting a, conference committee report that they're going to send out to the floors. So I'm guessing that tomorrow we're going to learn more about whether or not this wolf ban is um, is in the in the language or it has been removed or maybe even tweaked. Okay, so if it's still alive tomorrow, it's got a pretty good chance of passage, I would think, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with Democrats basically running the, the conference committees as well as Democrats having control of the House and the Senate and the governor being Democrat, I, I, I would assume that okay. it would be passed through pretty pretty effectively yeah <laughs> okay brian rap rapid fire here on a few issues chronic wasting disease there was a lot of language earlier in the session that would have uh instilled some stronger regulation on chronic wasting disease and i believe also on game farms in the state is that still exist yes they just adopted some new language that they actually did approve and it is in the conference committee report um it does include the moratoriums that was a big component that was part of it before. It does not include the double fencing that was included in there um, originally that has been removed, Um, but they do require 96 inches of height on a fence. And then it also um, continues to have that transfer of duties from the Board of Animal Health to the DNR for white-tailed deer farms. Fee increases. Uh, last I talked to you, the uh, the fishing license fee increase was gone, but some of the boating fee increases uh, still exist. Is that status quo? Yep. And then also the AIS surcharges are not included in this put in this um, potential conference committee report. So if you were a betting man, we're going to have some increases on boat license fees, which, by the way, it's been 15-plus years, I think, since we've increased those, but maybe not a fishing license increase. Is that your understanding? 
That would be my understanding okay. of it from what they sent out on Friday from the budget reports. And the Environmental Trust Fund, to get that on the ballot next year, we've talked about that. It looked like some strong language came through. Uh, do you think that's going to pass this year for the 2024 ballot? I believe so. I mean, it sounds like it, it got passed through the House um, with some bipartisan support. Um, and now the Senate is um, just got passed through the last committee. So now it's going to go out onto the Senate floor this upcoming week. And um, from what my reports and from my sources say is that it should be put up in, earlier on this week in, in the Senate floor and um, should be sending over to the governor's desk here later on. All right. We'll know a lot more in a week. Brian, thank you for your patience. Thank you for uh, whipping through a rapid fire, a bunch of policy items there. Uh, good luck. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow and uh, maybe maybe a week from now we'll know a lot more. Thanks for calling in. All right, absolutely. Have a great rest of your night, everyone. Thank you. That was Brian Mosey from Outdoor News. He was at the governor's opener yesterday, and sounds like some fish uh, hit the live well. Let's uh, get in a break. We're going to talk with Jared Mazurik from the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. When we return, this is WCCO Outdoors. Welcome back, everybody, to WCCO Outdoors. Rob Dreesline is with you till the top of the hour. We're here till 6 p.m., then stay tuned for 60 Minutes. Uh, at 7 o'clock, uh, Steve Thompson is in for Geraldine Steele and Steele Talking, but still some good locally produced radio coming at you here this evening on WCCO. Uh, hey, I got uh, a guest calling in on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. His name is Jared Mazurik. He is the new executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, and he joins us now. John, I'm sorry, Jared, you were uh, with us when when you got hired. What? what how long ago was that now? Six months? How long have you been on the job? Yeah, I've been on on the job since the first of the year. So, yeah, so up on, yeah, yeah, you know, five almost months, six months here. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome, Jared. And are you also a new dad? Uh, uh, new again. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got a two and a half year old, and then we just had twin boys as well. Wow. wow. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the real McCoy. Congratulations, Jared. Uh, well, it's good Thank to have you. you back on WCCO Outdoors. Uh, you are the executive director of the state's largest deer hunting organization, Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, out of Grand Rapids. And how's the job been treating you uh, for the first five months? You know, it's been great. It's a, it's a steep learning curve for sure. You know, it's a big organization, a lot of members. It's a big state, but um, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Well, some folks might be listening and thinking, wow, you know, Rob, fishing just started, and here you are talking deer. What's what's cooking? Why, why are we on, on, a, on a deer tangent here? Uh, it's because I got a press release from your organization a couple days ago uh, saying that MDHA will not participate in the 2023 governor's deer opener. Uh, the uh, group is seeking more action on behalf of deer and deer hunters. And so, by golly, you're not going to be an organizing partner this year uh, with that governor's deer opener which is it always coincides with of course the opening day of deer season i don't know the exact date this year what is the third or fourth something like that of november what's going on jared why uh, why are you folks bailing on this event yeah you know um well first of all it's it's just a one-year thing at this point we're gonna reassess as as future years come by um but really we are doing what we think is in our members' best interest. And we definitely appreciate the governor and all of his his work on CWD legislation that we're getting pushed through hopefully this year. Um, but we, we still want to see more um, when it comes to wolves especially. You know, we've got a, a wolf population that is, is really getting out of hand. And so 
we need to see more action on that front. And then, like you said, the uh, second amendment issue as well. Um, our members voted at our uh, corporate board meeting in February that we don't want to see any infringement of second amendment rights. And so the fact that these policies are out there, um, our board voted to, to uh, abstain from the opener this year, just um, in response to those two issues and, and not enough action taking place. So your, your release said the executive board voted unanimously. How many, how many people on that board, Jared? Yeah, we currently have 16 members on our executive board. Um, and so they represent all of our regions across the state, as well as our executive committee, which is our president, vice president, treasurer, secretary, and then member at large. And they all voted, we, we want no part of this uh, governor's deer opener uh, as a result of what's cooking in the in the legislature and, and Walt, Governor Walz's support for those, those issues uh, here in 2023. That's correct, yes. We did have one abstention. Um, and that was just due to a potential conflict of interest. Um, but everyone else, yes, unanimously voted to to not participate this year. Okay, I, I guess drilling in a little deeper on a couple things. So Wolves specifically, uh, you're mad that, and not Jared necessarily, but your, your executive board is upset <laughs> that uh, I, I presume that there's language that would ban wolf hunting in the state. Now that has not passed. Uh, is that the gist of what has upset the board? I, I presume it's not the fact that there's not a wolf hunt yet. There has been in the past, and right now Minnesota couldn't hold a wolf hunt if it wanted to because of the feds, right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, and so, you know, there is language out there. Um, it passed in the House. Um, haven't heard any any talk of it in the Senate or in conference committee as of yet, but it's still it's the potential, and... Our board would like to see Governor Walls take a, a bigger stand against that. Um, I think I think the governor um, has the best interest of deer hunters and conservationists at heart. I hope he does. Um, and I think coming out with a stronger stance against a wolf season ban um, would be prudent on his part. Prior to issuing this statement, had MDHA reached out to the governor's office or to Governor or uh, Commissioner Strollman, you know, and, and I don't know, a shot across the bow that hey, we're really upset that this language even exists, and that you know the governor perhaps has shown uh, a little bit of positive attitude towards towards a, a potential ban on wolf hunting, and we're going to issue a statement if we don't get a little bit of uh, you know some support here. Did any of that occur in any back channels, Jared? prior to issuing this we statement? Did, yeah, we did speak with uh, both the DMR and Explore Minnesota, um, our partners in, in putting this event on, um, just kind of letting them know uh, we didn't want them to be blindsided. And so kind of letting them know where we're coming from and um, giving them a heads up that this will be coming up. And uh, like you said at the top of the, the piece here, um, it's fishing opener, so why are we talking about deer? But Basically, um, it's time to start planning for the governor's deer opener. So we wanted to give our partners as much heads up as possible before putting this announcement out there. This event has existed since 2002, and I've been around since before then, Jared. I remember the early days of, uh, hey, let's show a little love, governor, whoever you are, for deer hunters. We do it for fishing. 
uh, for the anglers in this state, and, and now we've got a pheasant opener too. Let's uh, let's show some love for deer hunters, and it, and it's it's been a pretty good event at times. I've been to a few of these where I was like, wow, this this is really well done. Uh, there's been a you know I've watched social media since we posted a story on this both on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you know, obviously some strong support for what you've done. Also some folks saying, you know, this feels a little bit like, you know, taking your toys and going home uh, when really this event isn't about guns. It's not about CWD. It's not about wolves. It's about promoting the joy of deer hunting. It's about promoting uh, the the economic benefits that deer hunting has for the state of Minnesota. Uh, should it and, I, and like I said, I'm kind of paraphrasing some of the things I've seen on social media. Should we keep those things separate and just focus on promoting deer hunting? And, and isn't that good for MDHA if we do that? Yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's a great event. And like we said in our, our press release, uh, the, the event itself is designed to celebrate the pastime that, that we all love. Um, our, our board is elected by our members. And with that, they, they have this. Um, duty to to really act on our on behalf of our members' best interest, and I have the full faith in our board that they are doing what what they think our members would like to see. And so I do agree. You know, there's there's this kind of dichotomy between celebrating deer hunting and the benefits to the economy, um, and then also these these bigger legislative issues that we aren't seeing enough progress on. Um, however, I, I do agree that we, we need to see more action, um, especially on the, the wolf hunt. Uh, I, think, I think every deer hunter in the state, especially in the northern part of the state, um, every conservationist and biologist would, would, for the most part, agree that we need to manage our wolf population if we're going to have a sustainable um, ecological landscape. We're starting to run out of time here, Jared, so I can't go too much deeper. I, I, I don't want to I find myself in a position where I feel like I'm defending the governor a little bit and the DNR. I do feel like the DNR's wolf plan that they, that they locked in last fall was, was pretty solid. It, it allowed for potential wolf hunting. Uh, obviously, we can't do it now because of the feds. I don't like this language that would ban wolf hunting any more than you guys do. And, and I guess if, if it passes and the governor signs it, well, then that's, that's absolutely on him. My, my final question, though, would be specific to CWD. I don't know if you listen to this show, but the governor, I had him on several weeks ago. He used some of the strongest language I have ever heard any member of the executive branch use towards deer farms, towards managing, being more aggressive with CWD. And I think we're finally seeing that coming through the legislature after years and years of a legislature made up of both parties that got nothing done in that regard. And so here we are advancing finally with CWD, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. That that might be a little (laughs) little overly optimistic, but at least it's moving a little bit. At any point did the executive board of MDHA say, you know what? At least we're we're seeing some life here on this CWD thing. Maybe we should uh, keep our powder dry before we issue the statement because at least we're getting some help on CWD. Did that that come up in the discussions at all? Yeah, we we absolutely talked about that. And uh, like I said, we're very appreciative of, of governor's work and support for the CWD legislation. Um, but we we can't really settle for one of our issues being resolved, right? CWD, great progress, but there's still a lot of work to be done. And um, 
I think I think we want to see the governor take a, a bigger stance on on wolf hunting. Um, the wolf plan, like you said, it's it's a solid plan. Um, there is still that language in there that you know there may be wolf season um, if they are delisted. So, what does that really mean if if they're delisted? There's still a lot of potential to not have active wolf management. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're calling for the governor to, to really take a, a bigger stance on, on that issue and, and show that he's going to do what's in the best interest of our, our ecological landscape and our wild deer. All right, Jared. Well, thank you for calling into the show. We fleshed that out quite thoroughly. I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll follow up. And uh, if folks want more information, it's mndeerhunters.org. Did I get that website right? Uh, dot com. Dot com, sorry. <laughs> mndeerhunters.com. Right. All right. Well, Jared, thanks so much for calling into the broadcast. Uh, looking forward to staying in touch with you on all this, uh, these issues, and have a great week ahead. All right. Thank you, Rob, and happy Mother's Day to, to all the mothers out there. Nicely done. All right. Take care, Jared. That was Jared Mazurik. He is the executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, mndeerhunters.com, for more information. Let's break. We're going to get back to fishing when we return. This is WCCO Outdoors. Welcome back, everybody. WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. I am Rob Line Into the back half of this week's broadcast, we're here every week. By the way, next week I'm looking forward to a two-part interview with John McLean. I don't know if that name means anything to folks. He is the author of a book called Home Waters, which is a memoir about his family's link to fly fishing. And if you're paying attention, that last name should be interesting to you because his father was Norman McLean, the gentleman who wrote A River Runs Through It. And uh, Home Waters is is remembering his father as well as his uh, his uncle Paul, of course, who was played by uh, Mr. Brad Pitt in that famous film. Uh, he's got actually a new book out. He's He wrote a foreword to a reprint of one of my favorite uh, works of literature, uh, The Big Two-Hearted by Mr. Ernest Hemingway. And that just that's popping this summer. And I've interviewed uh, John McLean before. He's a, he's a comrade in arms when it comes to fishing and good writing. And I'm looking forward to talking to him about uh, his foreword that he's just written to uh, Mr. Hemingway's Big Two-Hearted. Hey, let's talk some more fishing with uh, a gentleman who uh, runs a guide service called Three Rivers Fishing Adventures out of Jordan, Minnesota. His name is Darren Trosseth, and he joins us now. Darren, are you with me? Hey, Rob, how are you? Great. I appreciate you calling in on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline here on this uh, Mother's Day uh, Sunday. I hope uh, hope you're uh, having a good weekend on, on Fishing Opener. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, Darren, because I just found out that there's language in the, I believe it's the Omnibus Environment Bill, that's probably going to pass that would expand two-line fishing a little bit. Now, we have two-line fishing on a lot of our border waters now, uh, this would actually allow it on, uh, what, a little more of the Mississippi River, I think up to uh, uh, St. Anthony here. But more interesting to me, it would allow two-line fishing. Right now you can only use one line on all of our inland waters, but it would allow two-line fishing on the Minnesota River. This is something you've been advocating for for years, it sounds like, right? Yeah, being at, I live in Jordan, uh, the Minnesota River is just, you know, a mile from my house here. So I've spent, you know, the last 20 years catfishing out here and the community has really grown in the last 20 years and uh it's one of the things that uh, we've really wanted to try to do 
um, just to make fishing a little more enjoyable, you know, throw out an extra line and try a, try a different tactic, you know, with a different bait or different depth. And, uh, you know, all over the country, you know, yet guys, these catfish people, you know, they're running four, five, six lines out of their boats. And honestly, we're a little jealous watching it. So it's one of the things I've been working on. Yeah, catfishing, I, I grew up on the Mississippi River, so I've caught my share of channel cats as well as a few big flatheads. Uh, it's great fun when you tie into a big flathead. Uh, you were telling me off air a little bit that you think uh, most most hardcore catfish guys are pretty serious about catch and release. So that's one reason you feel uh, maybe we can liberalize this regulation for them a bit. Yeah, that and also uh, based on what the DNRs found is that uh, you know these large rivers down here in the state uh, are they're, they're pretty under, uh, underutilized as far as um, you know how many people are fishing them, the overall pressure. And then just the overall harvest of these fish in the rivers, you know, it's, it's, while there's lots of walleyes and game fish in these rivers, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a fickle thing and, you know, you need the right conditions in order to be really successful out there. So um, they've considered it an underutilized resource. So a couple of points. One, if this indeed does pass, it would open up the Minnesota River to two-line fishing all the way up to Granite Falls. So I want to be clear about that. It, would be, it wouldn't just be catfish. I mean, you could use two lines for any species. It's not like the DNR is going to enforce, you know, hey, you can only use them for catfish. No. If, if this passes, you could use two lines for any fish species. Uh, it sounds like the DNR has been semi-receptive. You've been, you told me off air you've been working with Brad Parsons, the DNR fisheries chief, on this as well as some other folks. Uh, you, you know, you mentioned the Minnesota River and some of our big rivers being underutilized. Uh, do you believe that? And uh, if so, why? What, what's going on there? It would just, just, uh, it's just a lake fishing culture. It's a, it's, a, it's a walleye fishing culture where we want a back troll kind of thing, and they, they don't no respect for rivers. I think that's part of it when, uh, you know, the average Joe fisherman thinks of rivers, you know, the Mississippi or the Minnesota, maybe even more so the Minnesota, you know, they're thinking, uh, you know, kind of uncharted territory. It's not really dredged or anything, lots of snags and uh, obstacles to fish around. And uh, just the muddy water, in fact, just really turns a lot of people off, honestly. So um, you don't get a lot of pressure on it. And like I said, there are, you got to, to find the fish, but there's definitely, you know, uh, some walleyes to be found out there and other game fish as well. I've, you name it, I've caught it on the Minnesota River. They're out there. It's just not uh, big numbers of them. That's a good rule. You never know what you're going to catch on a river, uh, including there's some paddlefish kicking around the Minnesota River too, correct? You ever uh, caught one of those? There are, and it seems like they congregate more so in the uh, winter and early spring and more uh, kind of upstream towards Mankato in that area. I've, I hear a lot of reports in that area of those paddlefish. So they, I don't know if they congregate around the, uh, the power plant at the, uh, the dam there or, or what it is. But, yeah, that's mostly where I hear the reports coming from is that area. Interesting. We're talking with Darren Troseth. He is a catfishing guide uh, down on the Minnesota River, Three Rivers Fishing Adventures. When is catfish season? Not season. When is catfishing kind of get going? Are you, are you out there pursuing them in the spring? We kind of associate with more of a warm water fishery, don't we? Yeah, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a myth, you know. People think you know the hot dog days of summer is when you want to get out there and, and catfish, and they they are a warm water fish, and you can be successful. But really, the springtime can be one of the better times of the year, and and channel cat, uh, channel catfish kind of get started up, you know, before the flathead. So, you know, anytime the uh, the river opens up until uh, you know probably end of May can be really good, and then they'll they'll start to spawn. 
and then the flatheads will come in right behind them. Uh, now that you know, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, that said, you haven't been fishing the Minnesota River a lot lately. You were telling me off air you've been uh, enjoying that sturgeon fishing up on the uh, north border, up on the Rainy River a bit this spring. Yeah, there's uh, there's a small window in the spring where those sturgeon come in to spawn, and and I just got to take off and and fish for those because I love them so much. But I have spent some time out here on the river, but uh, the sturgeon's been in my brain here. And actually, tomorrow's the last day of the season, and uh, I actually run a little contest up there, an online virtual contest. And there's there's guys going head to head right now, and they're I mean, in order to win this contest, it's basically a your biggest five fish, and you know you have to average a hundred pound fish. It's it's insane. <laughs> it's crazy. That's an incredible success story that I think a lot of Minnesotans don't understand. I mean, sturgeon were pretty much wiped out across most of the region. They're slowly bouncing back, especially in some of our border rivers, the St. Croix, uh, even uh, some of our western border waters also. But the Rainy River is the crown jewel of sturgeon fishing, uh, certainly around Minnesota. And, yeah, like you say, a lot of big fish. There's, there's a strict fishery. There's a, there's a short take season. I don't even know if that's still going uh, but catch and release, if you want to tie into a big sturgeon, that's the place. Uh, how do you do it? You, you drop a crawler down. They're bottom feeders. They love to pick up a crawler on a hook, right? Yeah, they're just basically moving in from, you know, the lake to spawn. Lake and, of the Woods. Uh, you know, lake of the Woods we have, we're talking? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, Lake of the Woods. Yeah, they're coming in terrain, and they come up into the tributaries to spawn in the shallow waters, and that's starting here within the next week or two. But, uh, um, yeah, there. I mean, you do find some tendencies to maybe put some – you know, minnows on or uh, shiners or even cut up a, a sucker as well. And, uh, you know, you can find some things to kind of set yourself apart from the other anglers. But generally, yeah, you can just put a crawler out and catch them. It's pretty easy fishing. Fantastic. Well, hey, we're about out of time. Last question on this two-line thing. I got to think if two lines are allowed on the Minnesota River, it's going to be a foot in the door to allow two lines, maybe eventually statewide within a few years. How do you feel about that? Does that bother you or you're you're all for it? Uh, personally, I'm all for it. I just know that the, uh, the DNR is not ready to make that step right now. And they've, uh, you know, kind of put a hard wall up against making it, you know, the entire state or inland waters. So, um, I'm happy with the way the compromise we've come up with here. Uh, the DNR put it in, in their policy bill this year. So, uh, I guess we'll just have to see what happens, but I'm going to kind of, uh, step out of the ring for now once this passes so <laughs> sure sure well, i want to be clear a this is not passed so this it's still a one-line regulation on the minnesota river uh, so uh, so please uh, stay listen to this broadcast or read out or news to see how that fi- finally comes together darren thanks for spending a segment with me if folks want more information on your on the on your guide service where can they get that info uh they can find me on my website three rivers fishing that's with the number three or I'm also pretty active on my Facebook page as well, Three Rivers Fishing Adventures. And, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff to find out there. Yep, that's how I tracked you down was on that Facebook page. Darren, thanks for spending a segment with me. Good luck fishing this spring. Thanks, Rob. Have a good one. You bet. Darren Trosseth uh, from Three Rivers Fishing Adventures out of Jordan, Minnesota, advocating for two-line fishing there on the uh, great Minnesota River, our namesake river. Let's uh, get in a break. Final segment coming at you. I got some time. Give us a call, 651-461-9226. If you'd like to join the broadcast, this is WCCO Outdoors. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment of this week's broadcast of WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830. I am Rob Dreesline. A few minutes left. If anybody wants to chime in on any of the topics we've discussed or anything else, uh, give me a call, 651-461-9226, or text us. At that line, happy to uh, chat for a moment. 
when I'm wrapped up, like I mentioned earlier, 60 Minutes, and then uh, Steve Thompson in at 7 o'clock for Jerry Lynn Steele on Steel Talking. A few topics left to discuss. Uh, for one thing, I, I didn't mention it with Brian Mosey uh, or later in the show, but the it's my understanding that the crossbows, the le- language at the legislature that would allow crossbows uh, statewide, all ages, during the general archery hunt, that, that that is still alive and probably on pace to pass this year. Now, we'll we'll know for sure, I would think, a week from now when I'm on this broadcast, if not uh, for sure in two weeks. Uh, the session is scheduled to end a week from tomorrow. Uh, so uh, quite likely that, that uh, if, if you want to hunt deer with a crossbow during the general archery season, you might be able to do that this year. That's an issue that I personally have never liked. I feel like that general archery season should be for vertical bows, as they call them now, compound bows, uh, and, and more traditional bows. I don't necessarily think it's great for the industry, uh, and I think we're going to kill more deer. Uh, Tim Lesmeister and I have argued about this. We didn't argue about it last week, but uh, that's that's my general opinion. But uh, at the same time, the crossbow thing, it, it's advanced in some of the other states where it's being allowed during the general archery season, and I'm starting to feel like uh, you know that, that Japanese uh, – um, proverb, you know, get out of the way of a tsunami, something like that. That's a, how this crossbow thing is feeling a little bit. I'm probably going to write part of my column this week on the fact that the Red Lake Band announced uh, this past week that they intend to issue 30 permits for elk in northwestern Minnesota. Uh, last fall, they issued five permits. Uh, 30 30 permits, that's a lot. That's as much as the state issues. Uh, many people listening may not even know we have an elk herd in northwestern Minnesota. I think uh, that might surprise a lot of folks. Uh, there's, uh, I guess it's part of an 1863 treaty area that goes uh, part of northwestern Minnesota all the way into North Dakota, although the band has been very clear that none of their hunting would involve North Dakota. Uh, we can debate why why that would be, but... Uh, like I said, the state issued, I think, 30 permits last year. They didn't fill them all. Uh, Al Pemberton from the band talked to Brian Mosey, who was with us earlier. Brian will have a story in this week's Outdoor News about it. Al th- saying that you know a lot of the elk are on private land. Band members are going to have to get permission to hunt them, although I think a lot of private landowners don't particularly like the elk. I think they probably will. Uh, give permission. I'm, you know, it, it seems a little aggressive to me. Uh, I wasn't thrilled when I heard this that the, that the band wanted to take that many elk because we don't have that many elk. Period. Uh, we've got between the three herd, we got two herds that spend their whole lives in Minnesota. That number, I don't know, maybe 105 animals, and then there's another herd that kind of bounces back and forth between Manitoba and northwestern Minnesota. That that herd numbers in the couple hundred range. So I, I guess at any one time, you could have as many as 250, 300 elk in northwestern Minnesota. I, I doubt it's ever quite that high because I think that herd does spend a lot of time in Manitoba. But, I mean, that's a pretty big bite. And, I, and I'm and i curious, that as of late this week, the DNR had not said whether the band's declaration would affect the number of permits that the DNR would issue to state hunters. Uh, i got to think it has to affect that that total, and uh, I'm hope, really hoping the DNR uh, is is clear about that this week. I probably will mention that in my column, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit more next week, a week from now on this broadcast. Uh, but you know, we've been trying to expand this elk herd. I'd love to see the elk herd get up to like a thousand animals, 
And then, you know, then the bands can take as many as the state. You know, issue, I don't know, 200 permits between the both, the state and the band. And, and you know, each, each can take 100. But I kind of wish we were taking a little pressure off the herd right now and allowing it to grow. It seems to me that the, the landowner interests up there who traditionally have not liked the elk maybe are warming up to the herd a little bit. And I, and I wish we could let it grow before we put uh, all, this much hunting pressure on it. But uh, we shall see how that continues to go. A little good news I I heard late in the week is that the uh, turkey harvest, the wild turkey harvest in Minnesota, bounced back during the C and D seasons. I think we're probably into season E now. Uh, But if you were listening to this show a few weeks ago, you know that uh, the A and B seasons were pretty slow. We were definitely down on wild turkey harvest so far in 2023. But it, it really sounds like it bounced back during the C and D seasons. And that, I think, obviously, weather has a lot to do with that. Uh, we had unseasonably cold weather in late April, and I think it's bounced back nicely as we've gotten into May, and that bodes well for turkey hunters. And go figure, the harvest uh, has increased. So some good news there. Uh, we will share more great news next week, I'm sure. Uh, like I said, I'm going to have uh, John McLean with us uh, a week from now. I'm looking forward to talking to him. If you missed me mentioning it earlier, John's dad wrote, a river runs through it, and John McLean is a writer in his own right. With that, I am out of time. Again, happy Mother's Days to all the moms out there. Uh, wish your mom or your wife a happy Mother's Day. And everybody, have a great week out of doors. Thanks for listening. This has been WCCO Outdoors on News Talk 830.